Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. On today's episode, I'm going to have Neve on from the Crime in My Pocket blog. We are going to discuss the 1978 film Halloween and Halloween 2, and then lead that into discussion of the 2018 Halloween uh, reboot or sequel, if you will. Uh, I know it's a year late. I, I finally had a chance to see the movie, so I figured uh, for my Halloween episode this year, we would talk about those movies. So uh, Neve came on to have a discussion about that since she is a horror movie buff. This podcast, if you haven't listened before, uh, tackles three specific subjects. Movies, sports, and politics. Usually each episode is dedicated to one of those topics. Uh, obviously, this one is going to be about movies. Uh, the show is available to listen to on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you happen to listen to the show on iTunes, if you could, if you can do a quick rate and review, uh, that's a very simple and easy way you can help the show uh, achieve a higher uh, level in searches. So if people are looking for new podcasts, uh, the more ratings and reviews that are present for a specific show, uh, the higher it will appear on searches. So if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, I would also suggest if you can, the show is on social media. The Twitter handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. That is also the handle for Instagram. So if you're on Twitter, if you can, please follow the show. And if you like what you hear or think someone you know would like this type of podcast, uh, if you could share it on your social media, that's a huge uh, way for the show to get exposure as well. So I would appreciate that. And thank you in advance for doing so. Uh, so again, the Twitter handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. The Instagram handle is also the same at Bend Your Ear Pod. You can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also get the show at any time at the website, which is www.letmebendyourear.com. So again, we're going to welcome Neve to the show. She is from the Crime in My Pocket blog. So we're going to discuss the Halloween films. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This is Frank, your host. And again, I am joined by Neve from the Crime in My Pocket blog. Uh, she's joining me again to discuss the Halloween franchise. So we're going to talk about Halloween's part one and two, the original two movies, and then uh, get into Halloween from 2018. Since I had not seen the movie, uh, I finally got to watch it. So I wanted to discuss it with Neve, who's a horror movie uh, buff, so she can give her insights on the movie as well. Uh, welcome to the show again, Neve. Uh, before we even get into it, uh, tell everybody where they can find your blog. Uh, hi, yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, you can find the blog. It's a WordPress blog, uh, crimeinmypocket.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on Twitter as well, uh, just at crimeinmypocket. So just give me a follow there. There's links to all the posts as well. Perfect. Thanks. So let's get right into it. So let's start with 1978 and 1981 Halloween 1 and 2. So obviously the 78 film directed by John Carpenter, written by Carpenter and Deborah Hill introduces the world to the character of Michael Myers. Uh, it's set in the town of Haddonfield, Illinois on Halloween of 1978 uh, when Michael Myers uh, escapes from a mental institution. Uh, the beginning of the film opens with a six-year-old Mike Myers murdering his sister, which causes him to be institutionalized. And then 15 years later, uh, the events of the first movie take place. So I'll let you go into it, Neve. Tell me your thoughts about the original Halloween and, and as a movie itself, and what did you like about it? Uh, I've basically grown up with it, so I absolutely love the film. I remember even watching it Christmas Eve one year as a kid because it was just on TV. Um, 
there's just loads I like about it. It's he's John Carpenter uses sound, which is really eerie in it. That really high pitched sound that comes when you know Michael Myers is about to about to kill somebody, he's about to strike. That it's, it's a, that high pitched sort of noise. Um, I really like sort of he's very he's the, the suspense of it. He's a very he's very like there's no go. You just it's just scary because. Just the idea of him is scary because he doesn't say anything. He doesn't give you his motives. He just does it. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, sound is an important quality in mm. this film, uh, especially from the from the well known piano. Uh, oh, obviously, theme yeah. That, the the theme, wrote, the iconic yeah. theme. Yeah, that he wrote, which is interesting. That he's the composer of the score as mm-hmm. well as the director of the film. And the other thing I like about. Uh, this movie is the use of suspense. So I think a lot of the best horror movies use suspense in a great way and kind of the randomness almost of what Michael Myers does. It's almost in the scenes where he doesn't inflict any kind of violence. That is kind of even scarier where when he first appears back in Haddonfield, he's just kind of there Mm. as a presence, uh, whether it's the the kids running to him or whether he's walking around, that's more even in some instances scarier than the actual situations where violence is inflicted on people. So I think there's uh, a a randomness that makes it more scary as opposed to finding a method to the madness. There's really no method. And I think that makes it all the more terrifying. That they show the build up as well to you saying about him introducing the character, the build up to him as they're driving to Smith's Grove because it starts with them, he escapes, isn't it? Because they're going to do a transfer, and you hear the nurse talking to Donald Pleasance's character, uh, Dr. Loomis, and she says, I've only ever moved minimum security, and you just know she's not prepared for Michael Myers, and that builds it up, and you know, like, oh, okay, there is something, this is a bad guy, this is a scary guy. Just in that conversation. Absolutely. And, and bringing up Donald Pleasant. So let's talk about him because I know we spoke about this movie before and we really didn't get into Loomis's character. So Donald Pleasance, I think, plays hmm. this role over the top, but in a good way. So I think, oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's, it's works for this movie. I think in a, in a different type of movie, it would have been like, okay, this is too over the top. But his, his over the topness to me helps because it really explains the character of Michael Myers and how dangerous he is. So I think he tries through this whole movie to uh, implore upon the, the, the residents that this guy is no joke, especially to the police of the town, that we have to take this seriously. He's not to be taken lightly. So I think that works in this movie where he's just so intent on letting them know how dangerous he is and that basically there's no no reasoning with him. He's pure evil and he just com- fully commits to it. And I think it works in this movie. But I do like as well, you say about that, he's so over the top, which works. But it's like the characters, the police in that, they see that and they just think, oh, it's Loomis, he's over the top, he's crazy. So they're not prepared. So that makes it worse again then, because you just know like, oh, then they're not prepared for Michael Myers. He is going to just cause carnage and they're just not prepared for it because they didn't listen to Dr. Loomis because they thought he was crazy. Absolutely, that's correct. And then that leads into... Uh, the character, the other main character of the film uh, being Laurie Strode, portrayed by Jamie Lee Curtis. So obviously in 1978, I believe she was 19 years old. So obviously really, really young. Her first movie uh, that she's in, and I think she does a remarkable job in it. I think uh, the 
she plays it both as helpless at first, but then as the movie hits mm. its climax, she becomes someone that's a fighter, uh, even though she's terrified, but she has that instinct, unlike uh, the other teenagers in the film that don't meet a similar fate. Uh, she mm. fights him off and 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 has that battle uh, in the climax of the movie. I think it's fantastic, and she's great in it. Oh, yeah, she's brilliant in it. And uh, it's it's interesting because she was only cast, she was doing TV and things at the time, like you said, it's her first movie. She was only cast because her mother is Janet Lee, the obviously known as the lady in the shower in the cycle. And John Carpenter just thought, oh, that would bring a little bit of commercial sort of advertisement if we had her in it. And obviously she did a brilliant job and it did just work perfectly anyway. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, she became known as obviously the scream queen there for the for the that kind yeah. of five or six year stretch where she did uh, Halloween two and some other uh, horror movies as well. So yeah, absolutely. I think it was great casting, even though it may have been stunt casting to your point because of the connection yeah. to her mother Janet Lee. But I think she does a, a great job in the movie, and I think the it it helps that like I said, you can you can see her fear. But I think what's kind of cool about Halloween, which I think why it's become an iconic film, is it kind of took the – while there's victims in the movie that are slaughtered or, or killed, it, it kind of was really the first movie that I can remember where the where the female uh, lead is not helpless. And yeah. I think in a lot of these horror movies, kind of the – not even just the women, but the, the teenagers and the men and women are just basically chattel for murder – where this is one where she's not going to be that and she wasn't and fought back and which when we get into the new Halloween I think it's really a key point but uh, I do think that's why Halloween kind of has a place as an iconic horror film and me as I've stated before I'm not a horror movie buff but this is one of the ones I go to as one of my favorites I think for that reason too because I think it's different than other horror movies in that way oh definitely even you notice that as well even before Michael Myers, even before, you know, he starts striking and everything, you notice before she's very cautious, like she's on the phone to her friend, she notices him in the garden or she's walking home, she notices him behind the bush and things like that. She is very cautious anyway. She's a cautious character. So it gives you, it's the type, she's the type of character. It's like, oh, she would be watching for danger, but it still happened to her. She was still in danger, even though she did watch for it. So sometimes it really drove home that sometimes it doesn't matter you can just be in danger no matter how cautious you are as a person. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, let's lead into the climax of the first Halloween. So, again, I think another reason that this becomes classic is that entire third act of the movie starting with when uh, Michael Myers gets into the house across the street from where Lori is babysitting the kids and uh, he murders the, 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 the boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, you have the iconic scene where... He's dressed up as a ghost, which is kind of funny and scary at the same yeah. time. And then uh, leading up into the final confrontation, I think that's all staged and shot very well. I think one of the things about Halloween, when I watched it again a couple of weeks ago for this show, was I almost forget, I don't know why, just the the great handheld camera work in the movie. Uh, yeah. Showing that, that point of view from Michael Myers' perspective, I think that adds a touch of realism to it and is very... Uh, suspenseful in the way it's used, especially in that last sequence, uh, going into the house, those murders take place, and then going over to uh, to where Laurie is with the kids across the street, and then that whole confrontation, uh, especially leading up to when she's hiding uh, in the closet, uh, and he's coming in, and just that whole staging of that whole sequence mm -hmm. leading all the way to the end is is fantastic. 
especially the when he breaks through the closet as well. He smashes through with his arm, doesn't he? And she's just crouched in the corner. He just smashes through the door. That that iconic scene. I absolutely love that when you're saying about her hiding in the closet. Yeah, and that's fabulous too because I think the best horror movies uh, convey that sense of helplessness. So I think as strong as her character is, I think in that moment, which is what makes that scene so much scarier, is that mm. as strong as she's been and, and, and as brave as she's been, she's stuck in that closet. And then when he starts breaking in there, you can feel like, what is she going to do? Like she's completely helpless at that point. And I think that's what makes it all the scarier. Yeah, Definitely. And then, of course, you have kind of the other story going around when Loomis uh, finds out uh, that murders have started to take place. And, of course, he goes with the other police officer, which is almost kind of funny and scary at the same time. He pulls out the gun. The cop's like, what are you doing? And, you know, Donald Pleasance or Loomis is like, look, I'm trying to get this guy and kill him. That's what I'm doing. Are you with yeah. me or you're not with me? Yeah, he was. Yeah, that makes it worse. His determination. He didn't have any regard for himself. That's that's how badly. That's how dangerous. Michael, that's how dangerous he knew Michael Myers was. He just had no regard. He's like, I want him dead. You know, the world would be better off with this monster gone. He's not safe. He that really drove home that with his just sense of, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to shoot. I need to just kill the guy with no hesitation. Right, and let me and let me end Halloween with this because I have a question for you since you're the horror movie buff, and and this is a, I guess an open ended question. What are your thoughts about the end of the movie? You know, he he has been stabbed with the coat hanger, shot you know six times as Loomis screams as we get into Halloween two in a minute. But do you th do what do you think Michael Myers is as a character as it relates to his mortality? Because I've always found it interesting. So obviously. It's a cool ending where you look down, the camera looks from the balcony and he's gone. And then the music plays and then the movie ends. But what do you think that was going to be? I don't know if a sequel was ever intended. Um, and we'll get into that. I'll get into some of the history before we talk about Halloween too. But what do you think of the Michael Myers character is just based off of the first movie, not of the subsequent movies, but just at that moment in time, do you think he's just indestructible? Is it just, what do you think? That's actually really interesting. Cause like I said, I, grew up with it so I was I was watching horror movies from a young age my parents were terrible and um I remember watching that and I think I just thought oh he's just thought of him as a monster as a child like oh they can't kill him because he's a monster he's Michael Myers he's a monster but I don't know as I've gotten older that's, that's actually a really hard question because you think about it you know he's thrown off that balcony he's stabbed with the knitting needles he's been shot at Okay, you don't see where the hits go with the shot. So they they could be hits. He could have survived, but he did fall. So I, I'm not really sure just based on that movie what you could say on the basis of his, you know, mortality, really. I, I, like I said, I just saw it the first time I watched it and thought, oh, he's just a monster. You can't kill him because he's this monster. And I think they did go down some avenue with it later on. But that, that went very sci-fi for me with that film. And it's, it was a bit weak, so I'm I'm not I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, and I, that's a, that's an honest answer. I'm not really sure mm. either. And I think maybe if the original intention was to never make a sequel, because I know this movie was a low budgeted film, so I'm sure obviously mm. expectations were low, and I'm sure there's probably wasn't thought of a sequel before the movie came out. But obviously, after it came out and became an iconic film, then uh, a sequel was inevitable. So I do know, and doing some his some research for this regarding Halloween too. So I know. 
John Carpenter and Deborah Hill co-wrote the screenplay for Halloween 2, but he ended up not directing it, and then he picked uh, Rick Rosenthal to actually direct the film. Uh, so, And I know there were some clashes creatively after the film was made. Uh, I saw the film actually for the first time not very long ago, uh, mm -hmm. which is interesting. And, and actually, I enjoyed it. I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. My expectations were really low. Uh, but it was actually a little more entertaining than I thought. But let's get into it. So Halloween 2 uh, came out three years later, 1981, uh, picks up right where the first movie left off. So it's essentially the mm -hmm. same night, continuation. Mike Myers is on the loose. And uh, basically, the majority of the film takes place in a hospital because Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, obviously, uh, in, from the events of the first film, is injured and is taken to the hospital. So why don't you go ahead and give me your thoughts on Halloween 2 specifically, uh, likes or dislikes about the movie? Uh, I really liked it in the picking up where the first one left off. I really enjoyed that because it's really rare in most horror movies, even with the, the newer ones. It ends, you know, uh, the serial killers chase them around the, the camp or whatever or the, the haunted house or whatever it is. And then the police turn up and it's done with and it's over. And you never get to see the aftermath, the carnage, other people's reaction to what has gone on because, you know, a serial killer is in their community. So I really enjoyed that about the second one where you got to see the aftermath and people just talking about it because that is what would happen if something like that did happen in real life, a serial killer in your community. That would be something you talk about, you know, all it would just be conversation for days. So I really enjoyed that. That was very real to see everybody's reaction and, you know, the carnage of everyone still trying to find him because there's a manhunt on because they because he's still missing because they didn't find him at the bottom of the balcony. And, of course, you see him then manoeuvre around, trying to manoeuvre around to not get attention. And people are running into him without knowing there are people dressing up as him. And I really enjoyed the chaos of it. Chaos. That's a great word, actually. I, mm. I agree with you 100% on the chaos part. I think that's my favorite part of Halloween, too. I think I liked, because it's almost two movies. It's kind of the movie in Haddonfield within the chaos, like you describe. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, one of my favorite scenes, I think we talked about it before, was when he goes into the one home and gets the knife and doesn't end mm -hmm. up killing anyone there. Again, the randomness of what he does, you kind of fully expect he's going to take the knife, kill the, the people, and then go on his way, but he doesn't. He just needs the knife, takes it, and leaves, and, and it's, it's the things that don't happen that are suspenseful. And then, of course, the other part of it is in the hospital, which I – it's. I don't like that part of it as much as I like the stuff in Haddonfield. Uh, not that mm -hmm. it's terrible. I just think I prefer the stuff in Haddonfield than in the hospital. What about you about that? I I found the hospital scarier, but I think that's just because I find hospitals generally scary anyway in real life. So I did find that quite scary. But yeah, I, I do agree with you that I did enjoy the Haddonfield more and seeing his journey to the hospital, seeing, you know, like, he, he walks past someone listening to a news report about him being loose on, like, on the, you know, the old 80s boom boxes. And you can hear the report, and he just walks past past this person as they're listening to the report. And he hears where, what hospital Laurie Strode is in. And you obviously just know that's where he's going. To, I think it's Haddonfield Memorial, isn't it? They announce it on the radio, and you almost see him just like, oh, yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, you, definitely. And I think that that lead up to the hospital, like I said, there are some good moments in the hospital. You're right. I mean, obviously, mm. it's it's basically a skeleton crew 
uh, not many people there because it's Halloween night. So, yeah, and if you're inherently not a fan of hospitals, I think that would make it a lot scarier. I agree. And there's some things in there that I did like, some sequences that were well done uh, in the hospital. And then the climax of the movie is 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 good as well. Uh, and again, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis not wanting to be drugged when she's uh, in the hospital so she can be alert. Mm. Uh, that's one of the scarier scenes in that movie where they're just trying to help her and she's basically fighting back because she doesn't want to go to sleep uh, no. because she's afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that way she's refusing to be, she doesn't want to be vulnerable, she doesn't want to be prey. And she knows as well he's still loose. I think that's what it is as well. I, I enjoyed that as well, I agree with you there. And let me ask you, because the big reveal in Halloween 2 is that Laurie Strode is his sister. Now, obviously, that gets discarded later. What did you think about that reveal in that movie? Did you think it was helpful? Didn't matter to you? Was a stretch? What did you think about that reveal? I quite liked it because, obviously, it is plausible. Because in the first one, they don't tell you really much about Michael Myers' past or the Myers family or anything. You just know that he killed his sister when he was six. So... It's perfectly plausible. I, I did like it. I thought it was a nice twist, but I, I wish they would have maybe explained more about, oh, well, wh where did the Myers go then after all this happened? They must have obviously left town. And why did they leave Laurie behind with somebody to adopt? Why didn't they take Laurie with them? Why did they leave her in the town where the murders happened? I would have liked an explanation there, but I did generally just like the reveal. I thought, yeah, it is plausible. It's just I would have liked it explained more. Right. I think I agree with you. I think that's the issue I had with it. I think it's if you're going to have that big of a reveal, there should have been an exploration of the backstory to that, because then without that, it seems kind of just thrown in as a, you know, a shocking reveal with nothing to mm -hmm. add to it. So I think I agree with that, uh, uh, with that, with that thought on that as well. Uh, any other thoughts on Halloween, too, before we move on? Um, I really like the song at the end when she's in the ambulance and you've obviously, you know, it's been, again, chaos. Well, even more chaotic than the first one. And all of a sudden, Mr. Sandman plays, which is a, it's a bit of a silly song. Yes, but I get why, right. they, why they chose it because it's like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a Sandman, I suppose. But it's, eerie, it's an eerie song, but it's silly as well. Yeah, you're right, because doesn't it not... Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that, because doesn't it open the movie, too? I think they play yes. it at the beginning, too. Yes, they do. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting choice in the movie. I think it's... Uh, and I like that, too. You're right. The use of songs, especially songs that seem um, incongruent to the movie, makes it kind of scarier, because if you listen to the lyrics of that song, yeah, it's basically... It's almost if I have to pick another genre, another franchise, is Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, yeah. where something he's coming to you, even though he's not in your dreams, it's just something where if you go to sleep, it's dangerous, you know, and he's coming to hurt you. Uh, yeah. But yeah. It's an interesting choice of song. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because, yeah, they open and close the movie with it. All right. So let's get into uh, Halloween 2018. But before I do, we're just going to kind of brush over. I'm going to have you since you I haven't seen all the sequels between Halloween 2 or let me let me start here. So there was a bunch of sequels uh, through the '80s into the mm -hmm. '90s. Halloween H2O, a bunch of Halloween sequels, and then it kind of went away. And then Rob Zombie uh, yes. in the 2000s directed uh, a, a remake of Halloween, followed by a sequel uh, of that of his movie. So of all of those movies, after two, 
What are you, what are your favorite if you have any that you liked in between then leading up into the Halloween from last year? Um, four and five were okay. I quite enjoyed them. Number four was better, definitely, because there was a third Halloween, but that was nothing to do with Michael Myers. That was something else, and I wasn't particularly into that. But the fourth one, where it followed a daughter Laurie Strode had, that was quite interesting. And then it went on to number five. Number six is where it went sci-fi, and Paul Rudd was in it, which was strange. I quite enjoy. I didn't enjoy that one. H2O I really liked as well. So I think out of them, I'd have to pick three there, which would be four, five, and H2O were the between those ones. I hated the Rob Zombie ones. I really did. I saw the first Rob Zombie one, and I didn't. I what I didn't like about it, and we'll talk about it real quick. What I didn't like about the Rob Zombie first one was it was to me the opposite. And I kind of I get what he was trying to do. He wanted to give backstory to Michael Myers, which I don't think is a terrible thing to do. I just think it didn't work. And what made the first Halloween work was there was no backstory to Michael Myers. That's what's exactly. part of it that made it great. So I think he was trying to do something, which I, I I give him points for trying to be ambitious about it. But I think that was something that didn't need to be done. It felt like when he was doing that, yeah, he was trying to give backstory, but he picked every sort of stereotype that you'd give a serial killer. Just And it just felt like, yeah, okay, he was ambitious, but it, it did just feel like you've just picked every stereotype from a forensic psychology textbook and decided that that's why Michael Myers is a serial killer. And I, it was too gory. It just went off completely the original. I, I didn't like it at all. I didn't watch the second one. I watched the first one and I was disappointed because I love Rob Zombie. I love his films and I've been to see him live with his band and solo. So I, I do really like him. I am a fan of his work, but I just couldn't. I was disappointed with those films. Really disappointed. Yeah, I'm a fan of some of his music. I did. I was a fan of White Zombie and his some of his solo work. Uh, and I haven't seen his other horror films because, like I said, it's not it's not my go to ones. But I know they're pretty intense movies. So mm. yeah. So and I know they and within horror circles, he's he's kind of a uh, uh, kind of a big deal in the sense that they are they are big fans of his uh, other movies other than the Halloween ones. So I know he's he's a he's yeah. an accomplished director that way. All right. So let's go into Halloween 2018. So an interesting story about that. So of course. Uh, Rob Zombies were the last ones, and then the comedian, which is kind of funny, the comedian Danny McBride, who is known for comedies, uh, you know, weed comedies, and just, you know, he's done television work, Eastbound and Down, mm -hmm. things like that. He, of course, was a huge fan of the original Halloween and decided that he wanted to attempt to bring it back to its roots, and uh, he, him and his partner, David Gordon Green, the director of the film, pitched the idea to the studio. I forgot which studio had control of it now, but they said, let's do it. Uh, so he co-wrote the screenplay and they uh, released Halloween 2018. So obviously this movie, uh, as I looked at it now, at first I thought it was taking place from Halloween 2, but it actually ignores everything past Halloween 1. Now in the movie, I guess there's a lot, and I don't even know, you may know more than me on this, Neve. I know there's a lot of Easter eggs in Halloween that references other films in the, in the series, but the story from their perspective is literally, this is their version of Halloween 2. Uh, so they don't even take, they don't even take Halloween 2 into account. They go Halloween, then their movie. Mm -hmm. So um, it picks up, you know, 30 years later, or in this case, excuse me, 40 years later, 
And yeah. uh, it starts with podcasters visiting Michael Myers, who's still institutionalized, uh, to try to get him to do an interview and kind of goes from there. Uh, and then, of course, there is the uh, inevitable uh, transfer that doesn't go well. That seems to be a recurring theme here. Uh, yeah. Transfers that end up badly and then kind of goes from there. So I'll let you go ahead and talk a little bit about it. Uh, I'm sure you've probably seen it a few times. I just saw it. So I'll give my thoughts in a moment. But what are your thoughts on the uh, on the new Halloween? Um, I was really impressed by uh, the 2018 one. Like I said, I, I remember the Rob Zombie one coming out, a remake, being excited, and then I was just bitterly disappointed. So I didn't have the highest expectations. I just thought, you know, I'm such a fan, maybe I just can't do a remake. But I did really enjoy this one. So I, I was really impressed by it, and I did really enjoy the Easter eggs. There's so many. And when I was re-watching it the other day for the show, I was seeing them, and it was, yeah, there's loads and what I loved, uh, a couple of cool things that I just noticed off the top, the the original actor that played Michael Myers is in this one. So they brought him back. Yeah. Uh, I think he hadn't done any since the original Halloween. So it was kind of cool that he actually came back uh, to play the part. So I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, I did find it, it did stick in the in kind of the same theme as the original one. There, mm. It's not a super violent movie. Uh, there's bursts of violence, kind of like in the original movie, which I think is it serves it well. Yeah. And also, to me, in this movie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic. Fantastic oh, yeah, in the movie. She's brilliant. Uh, I think the 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 idea to have her basically become a hermit and spend her entire forty years since this happened in 1978 preparing for his inevitable release or escape is was genius and and the fam family dynamic with her daughter and granddaughter trying to keep them prepared but of course that ends up causing a fracture because she's so obsessed with this that that she can't have them have a normal life all of that i thought was was really good and added some really good depth to this particular story oh definitely i did enjoy all of that and it's almost she was I like as well you say you know how she's gone to the point she's like a hermit and she's so prepared that's what how Loomis went in one of the sequels so I think that's really nice because it shows it's almost as if because Loomis is dead in the sequel they do say um the, how the case was passed on to another psychologist because he has passed away so I do think it's nice that they sort of almost made his crazy rub off on her as well yeah absolutely I agree and I think the the suspenseful parts of it were great too. One of my favorite mm. favorite scenes in the movie, and I, it's fabulous and it's well shot, is the scene where uh, the granddaughter's uh, male friend, kind of the nerdy kind of guy, is is running from Michael Myers, and he ends up in a backyard of a home with motion detecting lights. And the lights come on, come off, obviously, based on detection. And then you have it go off, and then you see Michael Myers in the distance. They go off. They come back on. He's closer. Then he's closer. Oh. It was that was fantastic, and that that was that one of those was. things that was that felt directly in the spirit of the first movie. Those are those are the kind of things. There isn't really any violence. It was suspense. Now, obviously, he ends up, you know, stabbing him and, and and inflicting violence on him. But the lead up to that was fantastic, and I thought that was clever a clever use of a modern device uh, to elicit suspense. I love that part. Oh yeah, definitely. I loved that scene and the the closet scene as well with the with the bit when the uh, her friend is babysitting and uh, the kid comes running down saying, "I saw him, I saw him," and 
she, he keeps going on saying that he's seen him in, on the landing, you know, outside the bedroom door, and that she just thinks, obviously, he's a child, he's having nightmares and everything, it's Halloween, and she goes up and she looks in the closet, and he's there. Yes, I that, absolutely love that. Yes, another great scene, and I and I think, uh, yeah, no, another great scene, and I think it kind of uh, harkens back, calls back to that first movie, and then I think they did uh, a couple of, there was a couple of gorier violent scenes uh when the uh when the podcasters meet their demise in the gas uh in the gas station restroom that's that's pretty intense and pretty violent and, and it's uh it was also um a reference to the scene in the first halloween when he's escaped haddonfield he needs a car and there's a mother and daughter in a public toilet in a gas station and he goes in and terrorizes them. He doesn't do anything to them. He just steals her handbag to take her car keys, so she can just so he can just take the car. But uh, it was a nice little call back to that scene, which was equally as just horrible. Even though he didn't do anything, it was one of those he didn't do anything, but it was suspenseful enough. You could see him outside the cubicles looking in. No, that's a great point. And and actually, since you you yeah, since you're uh, you've seen these movies a lot more, give give us a couple of more Easter eggs that you noticed in the movie because I'm sure there's a lot that I missed. Give me some that you noticed. Um, there was the, the scene I just mentioned with the where she goes in the closet and finds um, finds Michael Myers there. Obviously, he kills her, and when she's found, then he displays her with the sheet over her head like a ghost, like in the first one. Right, that's I really right. enjoyed that. That was like ah. Oh! There's um, the dollhouse then that's uh, that Laurie's daughter grew up with. That's the Myers house. When you look at the when you actually look at it, when especially at the end when it's burning, it's like yeah, that's the Myers house. Um, there was all the start. I loved this intro as well because it was the same intro to the original when they're doing the um, when Loomis is doing the transfer with the nurse that's un- un- underprepared for Michael Myers. And you see all the mental patients wandering on the road in the long white nighties. Yes. And you see it that exact that exact scene in the new one as well with the bus crash. So I really enjoyed that as well. That's another one. I'm sure I'll think of more as we go on now, actually, because there was so many and it, it was brilliant for that. You could see that the film was done by a Halloween nerd. Absolutely, and it, that's what's great about stuff like that. And and I and I like, like I said, I think they did a good job of of being uh, of kind of calling back to the first movies, but kind of making a movie that stands on its own. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I loved a lot about it. Uh, the climax again. I thought this climax was good as well. When the, when you have the final confrontation uh, at Laurie's house, uh, when Michael gets out there, and then the final battle with with uh, all you know with the daughter and the granddaughter and Lori, all three of them teaming up to fight him and, and I guess, quote-unquote, defeat him. But we'll, we'll get into the aftermath of the movie here in the moment. But what did you think of that uh, that climax, the final sequence when uh, they battle Michael? I, I did really like that, especially because uh, they trapped him in her sort of booby trap basement, haven't they? So when they were just looking down and she throws the match i really enjoyed that but they're all looking down at him as he's just stood there because then she just throws the match down to burn him yeah it was fabulous and Mm. which leads to so obviously we 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 end halloween 2018 with uh with michael myers engulfed in flames in the uh hideaway basement of Lori's house as Lori and her daughter and her granddaughter are safely being driven away 
So, of course, when the movie came out last year, there was always, of course, the talk was, are there going to be any sequels? Are there going to be any sequels? And for a while, there wasn't any thought either way about that. And, of course, in the last two months, uh, it's been announced that not only is there going to be one, there's going to be two. So Mm. to kind of go back to my question I asked you a few minutes back, uh, it's kind of the same thing they did with Michael Myers. Because to me, I don't know how they're going to do this because... Even with the first Halloween where he was shot and stabbed and stuff, he you could, I guess, kind of plausibly see where he was alive because he was gone and he was still okay. But he was literally burned mm. to, to at least what I saw, unless there was something visually that I'm missing. I, I don't know how they're going to get around him not being dead in that particular sequence. What do you think about that? Oh, definitely. But then that's how it went in the second one. They burned him. To, he got burned, obviously, in the hospital when the hospital blew up. But then in H2O, they did reference it because uh, I think she's arguing with her son in that because they completely disregard H2O and the new one. It's her son in it. And he tells her, oh, you need you need to let go of your dead brother. She goes, I don't know if he's dead. I didn't hang around to see his ashes or anything like that. So they do sort of say, oh, did he, did he escape through the flames? And they suggested that. But like you said, he was trapped. So it's not plausible that he would have survived this one. But it will be interesting to see how they do it yeah, and how they're going to explain it. Right. And it's funny. Now that you were talking, it actually, I remembered an interview, and this was probably a year ago. It just popped in my head now, actually. I think that Danny McBride, the co-screenwriter, said, I think he had, when the movie came out or before it came out, I think he said they had sequels already in mind. Um, in the event that the movie did well, because obviously he wasn't sure if it's going to do well or if they're going to green light any other movies. So obviously, if I if I had to take him at his word at that point, uh, I guess maybe he already had the either at least the second movie or the second and third movies mapped out. So maybe he already knew at the time how he was going to get out of that as far as having Michael Myers continue on, even though. So we'll see if it's something that's going to be clever or something that we're going to go, okay. But I know with Michael Myers, you got to kind of suspend some, you know, disbelief and kind of go with it. So maybe it may be just as simple as, you know what, we're not going to explain it. You're just going to go with it because you love the character and we know you're going to come see the movies. It may be just as simple as that. Yeah, it might might be. But like like I said, it will be interesting to see how they do it because I do love the character. I will. I am one of those that will just go with it. So... Yeah, yeah. again, yeah, again, yeah, exactly. And again, to me, it's... I can't I can't state enough how much I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. to me actually makes this movie. Uh, I think the other yeah. characters were okay. I didn't really have another character that I glommed onto at all. She's no. really the heart and soul of that movie. So yeah, her her character definitely. drives all the action and every, all the best stuff. Uh, other than the killing scenes that were really suspenseful or are really all the ones that she's in. So she's really the backbone of it, which is the way it should be. And uh, mm. that's she really that's what really made the movie great for me is basically her in it. Oh, definitely. And uh, yeah, there seemed to be in the lead up for it as well. The promo, there was the hashtag that was trending strode strong. They were going with the whole strong, strong women in it. And I did like that angle as well, seeing a, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis has seen obviously from the first one where you said she was very sort of vulnerable and you know very victim. Then you see obviously the evolution and obviously how she's grown and gone strong over these decades because of what's happened to her. I did really like that angle of it. 
Yeah, agreed. Uh, that's it was wonderful. So I'm glad I finally. I know I'm a year late, but I figured this would be a perfect uh, review for our uh, for Halloween coming up for my Halloween episode. So yeah, again, I'm glad I got to see it. I'm looking forward to the next two. Uh, like oh, again, definitely. it's 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 fun to see for me, especially like I said, me not being a horror movie. Uh, buff it's good when i can find ones that i really enjoy and that that i can revisit uh in sequel so that's pretty cool uh so again uh thanks again uh for joining me it's always great to have you on to talk horror movies uh to get your great perspective on it since you're a huge fan of them uh and before we uh go again uh tell everybody where they can find uh your blog and, and what is your uh last uh blog that you posted um, you can find my blog obviously again on crime on my po- crime in my pocket uk. Um, it's a WordPress blog, and I'm on Twitter, obviously, at Crime in My Pocket. Uh, the latest piece was a British mass shooting in Hungerford in England. It was the it was a mass shooting where um, Michael Ryan took a few semi-automatic weapons, opened fire on the small town of Hungerford. He killed, including him, well, he killed 16 people and killed himself, so the body count was about 17. And that was the mass shooting that actually prompted the UK to ban the ownership of semi-automatic weapons because all of his were legally owned. They were signed off by law enforcement everything, so that was the one that prompted an amendment in our laws then to ban um, semi-automatic weapons. And I may have missed when you said it. What year did that happen? Uh, 1987. Okay, so about, oh, wow. Okay, so about 32 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was August 1987. All right, well, if you're interested in true crime and well-researched uh, materials, I highly recommend her blog. Uh, she takes a lot of time and is very serious about it, and it's very serious uh, narrative and reporting on it. So it's a great blog, so I r- encourage anyone listening to this to check it out. Uh, and again, you can uh, find her uh, where she said on Twitter at Crime in My Pocket. And Neve, again, it's been awesome. We'll definitely uh, touch back again. I'm going to have you back on. Uh, we'll discuss what uh, what we'll do as far as what type of horror mm-hmm. movies we'll review next. And uh, I love doing these because it's fun to kind of dip into, uh, like I said, a genre where uh, I kind of tip my toe in once in a while. Yeah. But you're 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 fully immersed in it, so it's cool to have <laughs> you on. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Thank you for having me, and thank you for listening as well. Thanks for listening to this episode. Again, the show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. Click subscribe on whatever app you listen to and you'll get notifications when new episodes become available and they can be downloaded directly to your device. Follow the show on social media at Bend Your Ear Pod on Twitter and at Bend Your Ear Pod at Instagram. Uh, if you like the show and think others would, if you could share it on your social media, that'd be greatly appreciated. You can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. And the website is www.letmebendyourear.com. I hope everyone has a fantastic week.